Welcome to the Comics Misremembered Podcast with your hosts Jim and John, and here's the opening music. Hey everybody, hope you're enjoying your weekend so far. I know I am. Because I'm one of your hosts, Jim. And I'm John. And together we talk about comics and comic-related items. You are listening to the Comics Misremembered podcast. This is uh, episode 270. You, we've made it to 270. Welcome. Thank you. And <laughs> they, thank you. No, thank you for supporting us for these 270-ish episodes. Yes, thanks for coming back. I, I really thank you to everybody who's listened to every single podcast. Like, those early ones were tough. Yeah, So th- thanks for making it through. slog. Okay. But... You're not, we're not here to reminisce about podcasts. We are here to discuss a new podcast. We're exactly brand new. And um, if, you, if you've been keeping track of our uh, social media, and why shouldn't you? Uh, again, because our social media, we're on Twitter, we're on Facebook. You can get the post at comicsmisremember.com. We're, we're worldwide, worldwide. Worldwide. And I've been teasing what we're going to be talking about this week. And it's, it's the movie called Old Guard or The Old Guard. Mm hmm. And it's based on a Greg Rucka comic, and we're going to talk more about the creators of the comic and also the movie. But before we get into it, you know what we're going to do right here. Yes, indeed. Every week, Jim picks out a piece of music that I and doesn't tell me what it is. Yes. And I yes. like to take a guess and see whether or not I can identify it. And sometimes I have better luck. And, than and also, it's related to the podcast. Yes, indeed. It is somehow related in terms of. It's emotional connection, or it's like, or no, I'm, I'm going gonna, gonna to explain. I'm going to explain it to you ah, after wow. you take a guess at it. So that is from the Jim Blossoms off of, um, what is it, New Miserable Existence? Maybe that's the uh, the title of the. Uh, I didn't look the up album. the album. Um, but that's the song is found out about you. Found out about you, sir. That's right. You, sir, are correct on both counts. Maybe even three counts. Maybe that is the name of the album. I I'm can't remember. Pretty positive it is. But you are right. It is the Jim Blossoms. It is found out about you. And on the surface, the song sounds like it's about a secret being exposed if you if you not listen to the entirety of the song. If this is your first exposure to the song. Mm. It sounds like a secret being exposed because the movie has a secret in it that gets exposed true. to the, the viewers and the readers if you've read the comic. But also... It's about the violation of trust. It's about the violation of trust, exactly. It's about ultimate betrayal. Yes. And maybe that has something to do with the, <laughs> the movie and also how I feel about the movie. No, I'm just kidding. No, how and, we, But it does have something to do with the movie. Exactly. And the characters in it, within it. So uh, we no, no, normally when we review a movie comic, we always like to read the comic source material right. that the movie's based on. Unfortunately, in this case, we could not get access to the source material. You know, this is the appropriate time for the side trombone. Yeah, it was like, I tried, and I tried. Well, it was just that, for what, and hopefully this is saying good things about this. Well, I think that, so. That, we, that there was no option to get the comic in time for us to do the podcast. Now, the comic is written by Greg Rucka. Rucka, I'm sorry. Greg Rucka. And it's got art by uh, L- Leandro. Leandro. Oh. Am I pronouncing that name right? Leandro. Leandro. Leandro Fernandez. Fernandez, yes. I got Fernandez right. Yeah. I I do apologize. Leandro Fernandez. Leandro Fernandez, Greg Greg Rucka. They did this comic through Image Comic that came out in, I want to say 2009. Did I even write it down? 2017. So I I was even wrong about that. 2017. So not that far ago. Three years ago. They, um, they, collaborated made a comic series called the old guard uh it, it was fairly popular i didn't pick it up i didn't buy it in individually and normally i would buy it. yeah and for whatever reason it just wasn't in my radar so i missed it yeah, i know you, was, i know you missed it because you, you told me yeah this was a blind spot of mine and of mine because this this should have been one of those things that you know kind of was like right in my wheelhouse kind of like you know one of the great series that's out right now called once in future having to deal with you know like mythology and and yeah, and a new interpretation of yeah, mythology exactly. and nationalism. And we did said we said read it when we did a new comic review for That's it. That's true, we did. 
Um, but this one we miss. That's okay. So then we found out it's on Netflix, and it's been getting good ratings. Yes, on Netflix. So we decided ditch hey, the meta, ditch the Metacritic score, which wasn't so hot, but the actual it scores individually broken up. Well, the the Rotten Tomato scores. Yeah, the Rotten Tomatoes, and also the and also the um, the Netflix scores. Right. So it's doing okay. So we decided that hey, let's try to get the comic book, and because you know, just like we did with uh, the last American Crime. Right. Uh, it. Yeah, the last American crime, the last crime in America, the last American crime. Um, you know, we were able to read the comic and base it on the movie and go listen to our podcast for the yes, review indeed. of that because it's two totally different views of two, the media and the source material. Um, but we didn't get a chance to get the comic. So we're going into this blindly in the sense that we're just going to base our review on the movie. Right. Not having any source material, any reference to the source material, and maybe it's good. So the good news is, is what I, when we watched the movie and I watched the credits or some of the credits, I saw that Greg Rucka did the screenplay. Yes, indeed, of the movie. So I'm hoping that you know he, um, of course, the movie's going to be told in a different way because you you have an unlimited budget when you're doing a comic book, like yeah. you, you can put. Sets, characters anywhere yeah, exactly. in the universe. They can give them any weapons they want, any power set, any monsters that they have to find. Anything you want to do, you can do it in the comic. Movie, on the other hand, you got a budget. And maybe this is a smaller scale, but hopefully it retains all the kind of like themes and touch points yes. that the comic has. But So we just want to give you, let, let you know, we like we didn't read the, the comic series. Maybe we'll do the comic series because we, we're, we're trying to get the first trade um, and maybe we'll do that as a separate podcast at a, down the the road. We can do it as a follow up. Yeah, as a follow up. Maybe, hopefully, maybe as a follow up because it, the way that the movie ended kind of hinted that there might be a uh, a sequel. A sequel, yes. Yes. All right. And so that's what we're going to try to do. So we watched the movie recently. It's in our brains. We, it's true. You know, we, just a few days ago, I think we were we were able to watch it. It's on Netflix, so you should all get access to see it now. Let me just put this up front right here. If this is a movie that you're like, hmm, I think I wanted to see it, but let me listen to the podcast first and maybe I'll watch it. I don't recommend doing that in this one. Yes, indeed. Normally we normally we would be able to kind of counterbalance our watching the movie with the comic material, but because we're not we were not able to do that this time, it's going to be purely a discussion of the movie itself and its touch points and also uh, some of the history and th- some of the other things that tie into it. So this is a conversation that you would have as a sort of, uh, you know, sort of as a post-movie review. A post-human movie we would, review. So we would I want you, we would want you to stop at this point, watch the movie, and then come back and join us. Well, it's going to be spoilers. I mean, we're going to be breaking this movie down. We're yeah. going to be talking about the secrets of this movie. Um, so we're giving you spoiler warners up front. So if this is something that you wanted to go in. You know, not knowing anything about, don't listen to this podcast right now. Right. Watch the movie, though, and come back because maybe you'll have the same viewpoints and ideas and the same thought process that we had. And um, and as you know, with me, with movies, I go in feeling one way after I see the movie and then I get to sit on it for a week and my opinion changes about the movie because I've been stewing over it and re- redefining it and analyzing it. Yes. Jim is busy dissecting this like, you know. Um, in his in his his laboratory, and thinking about all the things that, as a creative person, he might interpret differently after having some chance to putting it all through the. Did that make sense in the in the context of the rules that the that the movie set up for itself? So let me ask you, John, on the service, how did you feel about the movie after watching it? You don't have to give any details, right. other no, no, than just absolutely. how you felt. I walked away from it feeling uh, surprisingly satisfied. Surprisingly uh, satisfied. Yeah, pr- surprisingly satisfied. Um, I am a huge Charlize Theron fan. She's in the movie. Um, she plays the, one of the, the title characters. Yep. Um, she is just... I've never seen her dial in a movie, even something that can be a little... That could have been taken a little silly, you know, especially with the some of the things that are in the movie, which we'll talk about later. But she does such a, she does such a, go- a good job and is so... A su- you know, surprisingly um, believable in this role, in terms of you know, in terms of her ability to express the emotions that are very complicated or and lack nuanced, thereof, 
or well, yeah, or yeah. Um, she's really, she's really, she does a really good job. And I, you know, and of course I was a little nervous because when I mentioned to a couple of people that I was going to be watching this and they're like, and they kind of were like hemming and hawing. And I was glad that I didn't pay any mind to them because it turned out to be something that I really enjoyed. Now, prior to me watching this movie, um, I, I was on Facebook. I'm reading some other people's opinions on it. And there were people that had super high opinions. Yes. They were ecstatic. They were ex exalting the virtues of this movie, that it must be watched by every human being ever made, and mankind will rejoice. You got to share me with some of those, some of those posts. Well, I, I'm going to I'm going to tell you that Kevin Glennon, who ah, was yes. a fan of the, a friend of the show, the uh, author of uh, Vampire well, he's Vampires, been on the Vikings, show. and Mailmen. Yes, I'm exactly. just putting it out. It just he's you a plug his book. He's a, no, yes, and, a, and he's a published author. So okay. So he said that the movie was awesome, and he was going on and on about it. So I'm like, oh, all right. I like Kevin. I can tolerate Kevin's opinion. Let's let's see if it lives up to the hype. Then I watched the movie, and go, and I thought it was good. The movie was good. Yes. Now, do I feel the same way at the end of the? Because this is right after I saw the movie. This is not right. a week later or five days later. Is my opinion going to stay that way? Okay. Let's find out. That's going to be a little tease for you because, you know, you're going to find out by the time when this movie thing's over, you're going to find out if I still thought it was very good. I even might have had a better sense saying, like, after thinking about it, I think it's better. Or I might say, after thinking about it, not so much. After you slept on it, your opinion did change. Yes. there was, The needle had moved. Right. So that's my tease for the podcast to find out. Did did Stay it go up or did Jim it go Lundy, down? As, as, Jim, as Jim Lundy explains, the motivation behind his grading. Because I, I know that's the reason why you, you people listen. Well, it's look. No, as a joke, joke. I have to. Oh, okay. Oh. I, I have to interrupt well, you because you're not getting you for it. That. See, I'm gonna have I have to throw this in every time I try I do a joke now because you're kind of like you don't you're not getting the humor I'm trying to put in. Yeah, I'm sorry. Stop laughing. Sorry, there's a. <laughs> okay. So there's an external reason that I may not be missing. I may be missing some of the stuff. But Here we go. So we're going to jump right into it. All right. Jump into talking about the movie. Absolutely. Oh, all right. So we're going to talk so, about a little history of the author and the, the artist. Absolutely. Right? So Greg Recca, I think he's pretty. He's a pretty recognizable writer at this point. He's he's done some high profile uh, comic series. Uh, right off the bat, I, I know that he's done uh, Wonder Woman, Superman. I don't read Superman. Uh, we this has been established, right? Uh, nor do you. I'll point out. No, here. yeah, ex exactly. But he's done Superman, and, I, and I, his run on that, I guess, is is very good too. He's done Batman uh, run, so he's he's worked with three of the top, the, the three, the trifecta yeah. of DC, the Holy so, Trinity. So he's got his name out there because of this. He's um, but before that, he was actually a, a, an author, a published author. He had um, created his own book series, which was based on a character called Atticus Kodiak. So he's got this Atticus Kodiak series, and it's multiple books, I think six books. And he did that prior to going into comics. Now, I got familiar with Greg Rucka, too, many years ago. Remember when Dark Horse Comics did a follow-up to Grendel called War Child? Yes. It was basically a continuation of Grendel. So it was a 12-issue miniseries, and that was written by Matt Wagner, the original creator. And then it ended. Then they released a novelization that was a continuation of that series, and that was written by Greg Recca. And that's how I became familiar with him. And that book is awesome. I can't remember the name of the book now. It's, it's in my bookshelf. I should have brought it with me. But I trust me, look up Grendel, Greg Rucka, go read it. Whatever comes up, buy that, because that stuff's good. Um, then he goes over to DC, does the work as I explained. Uh, he now about early two thousands, he starts working with, oh no, I'm sorry. Two thousands. He was with DCs. And actually, why don't I just read my notes? Because I'm jumping all over say. the place. His first comic work was his own comic series, which is Whiteout, And that was published by, um, Oni press. I don't even think Oni press exists anymore. And that was in 1998. That was so popular that it became, they got a sequel and was called Wide Out Melt. Here's the thing. You might even heard this this comic because it became a movie. Unfortunately, the movie did not do well from what I understand. 
Uh, in early 2000s, he worked on Detective Comics, Batman, Wonder Woman, Superman. He also would work on the other DC properties, lesser-known properties like Checkmate and OMAC. But the another property that he worked on, and this was with Ed Brubaker, was something called Gotham Central. This is a uh, unique property that they yeah. created together. And its focus was on the police force that lived and worked in Gotham and the unique problems that they have to deal yeah. with. Being No, I thought, I didn't read this, and I actually purchased the first trade of this series. Because I thought this was a good premise. For I thought a comic. I think it's an absolutely stellar idea. And in idea. fact, when they were doing that show Gotham, yes. I thought this was going to be the premise for it, but they went a totally different. Route, yeah, they, unfortunately, unfortunately. But we're going to read that and review that in a, few, uh, a future podcast because it's it's on the way, and I'm interested in, in revisiting. Or I didn't read it originally, but visiting that. Uh, he in 2009 into 2010 he would go over to Marvel. He would work on characters like Elektra, Wolverine, and the Punisher, and um, then he would kind of go out and work on different projects. He's still working on his own individual labels. I know he has a comic called Lazarus. He's currently working on a comic called Black Mass um, with Nicholas Scott, and I believe I talked about that in a new comic review. Yes, at least I thought I did. Because I was reading that, and that's and that unfortunately comes out sporadically, so it doesn't come out monthly. <laughs> so it's like the East of West. Yeah, it's like East of West. It, it comes out, and it's great when it comes out, but then you, you have to wait for a little while. I would recommend getting Black Mass in trades because yes, you can probably get most of it in trade right now. And I believe it was it was nominated not for necessarily the Eisner, but something some other award I thought I saw. But it's good. It's a it's a good series, a great series. I would recommend picking up. Okay. So he's working on a whole bunch of his own projects. He's well-established in the comic creator community um, as, a, as an established writer. Now we have this other half of the creative team, which is the art, and that's uh, Leandro Fernandez. Leandro mm -hmm. Fernandez. Um, he worked with uh, Greg Rucka on another in, uh, you know, intellectual property that Greg Rucka created called Queen and Country. I believe that was supposed to be made into a Netflix movie, too. Maybe that's coming out. And he did a lot of other kind of sporadic work with Wolverine, Punisher, Daredevil, um, kind of like fill-in work uh, with those things. And he did more regular work with titles like Northlander and The Names, which I that was a miniseries which I liked. I think that was, um, trying to remember the writer now, Milligan. Um, I think did the was the writer and American Carnage, which was a short-lived. I don't know if they necessarily they didn't have it as a black. It was a DC book, it wasn't black label, but maybe it was still the last Vertical book. And I really liked this book. It was about uh, undercover CIA agent. Um, I was an F FBI agent actually infiltrating a white supremacist camp and trying to take it down. And yeah. it was interesting. It was a good book, but it got canceled i guess not a lot of people read it but the art was good i love the art of it so i knew i'm familiar with the art style of the, of the creator here fernandez so now you got a little flavor about the people who made the comic book series and what got into it john's gonna give us a little flavor about the uh the synopsis of the movie so you know what to expect when you watch this movie direct from netflix itself a covert team of immortal mercenaries are suddenly exposed and must keep fighting to keep their identity a secret just as unexpected new member is discovered. Yes. So So they, they tell you right there, right out of the, uh, the gate, that it's a movie about immortals. So that's not a secret. Yes. And, and, if, you, and if you didn't know anything about the movie, you learn this uh, very early in the movie because it's kind of the central plot about the uniqueness of the movie. So let's talk about that. And I was talking to John about how do we want to approach talking about the movie. And I think we should go step by step chronologically through the movie. So let's start, let's start chronologically with the quote that begins the movie. This is the beginning, yes. I've been here before, over and over again. And each time the same question. Is this it? Will this time be the one? And each time the answer is the same answer. And I'm just so tired of it. And with that quote, and that was a very good reading of the quote. Thank you. I felt that. And with that quote, um, the, how the movie pa is uh, presented is kind of random images of dead bodies on the ground. A person who looks kind of like Charlize, Charlize Theron, 
is dead with her flashlight in her face. Spent shell casings all over the place. Men in black. Uh, where? Yeah. You know, reload or uh, taking empty cases out of their guns. Yeah. And, um, and, and you just hear this and you're like, this is interesting. And then Cut goes to Morocco. In Morocco, we're introduced to two of the characters who are going to be around. Uh, one is Charlize Theron's character. and Andy. Yes, her her uh, nickname is Andy, and the and, other person is. Well, Booker. I was gonna I was gonna give the full name. Oh, okay. So she's also known by Andromeda, and then um, how do we pronounce it? Andro. Andrew, she's Andromache of Scythia. Andromache of Scythia. Thank you very much. And then the other character was Booker, and he just pronounced. I think he's only just called Booker throughout the entire yes. day of the movie. He's got a. I think in the comic book to give you more. Information, of course, because yeah. it's a comic. Um, but he's just ca- called Booker. She calls him Booker, and then the rest of the movie, he's known like that. And they're and they're soldiers. Like you again, if you didn't read the synopsis, you wouldn't know that these are two immortal people. What you get the gist of the way that they're having conversation is they're two mercenaries. They do jobs, kind of black ops, wet work kind yeah. of jobs, and they never do the same job with the same people twice. I believe that's stated. Yes. And then, um, but what what Booker is saying to her is, this person says it's a really desperate job that only we could do it because of our special abilities, and um, and there's a lot of money involved in it. And they haven't worked for a while. And they haven't worked for a while, and it's it's with the C. I believe it's with the CIA. Yes. And uh, the, but she's like, oh, we already work with the CIA. But she's like, this is a different guy. He's not going to be familiar with us. So then they go and meet the other two members of their four-member army, uh, which is Joe and Nikki. And Nikki, thank you. Uh, and Joe and Nikki are—they're all discussing it. Now, here's the—you pick up little things as you watch the movie, and I'm just going to point out a couple of things. Mm. When Booker's sitting down, Booker's has a little um, what do you call it? Tin. The, yes. The, when you have booze in it, yeah, he's got a he's got a flask. A flask, thank you. Why couldn't I remember that? They have a caskin flagon. <laughs> well, flagons are like yeah, yeah I know, I know. I was just but, yeah. I was thinking about the, the the restaurant. So he has a flask, and he opens up his little flask, and he's kicking some back, and they present a tea set in front of him, and he just pours it into the. He doesn't even have any tea. Yeah, he just pours the glass full of this booze. So as you can see, he he's drinking all the time. Yes. So this is kind of a sign of like. Um, a problem, a personal yeah. problem that he has. So he's, he's like self, drinking all the he's time, self, self-medicating. Yeah, he's right? self-medicating because, you know, and and it's it, it's probably understandable, especially if your if your business is wet work. Yep. That there might be some things that you need to keep kind of under control. Exactly. Um, having worked intimately with a uh, with a Vietnam vet uh, who was constantly self-medicating like like that too, it's um the the reason's always the same. Right. So the the other thing too is you have uh, Nikki and Joe, yes, and you can tell that they are in a relationship that the, yes. the way that they're behaving with each other, which is which is fine. This is the establishing these right. two, they're they're part of this team, but they're also in a relationship. They're and they're also a solid there and there is a solid unity between the two of them and their exactly. opinion and of thought. They yeah. share the same they they share the same opinion so that if if one so you're not going to be able to divide them it, well they and, and and they fall in love under unique circumstances too which i like and we'll yes. talk about that in a little bit um so we've got the establishing quartet they go to meet the guy from the CIA the CIA man is it's called Copley Copley James Copley and James is English the actor is English um who's playing him and they the, I, I i'm going to butcher his name so i'm i'm trying not to say his name um, his first name is Chiwetel. I believe that's how you pronounce his first name. I have no idea, name. but... Chiwetel. But if you, he was in the Firefly movie. He was the bad guy in the Firefly movie. If you've been there. He was the bad guy in this Doctor Strange movie. You know, he was more dread. He was a friend to Strange in the beginning, and he becomes the enemy at the end of the movie. Um, he, I, he's a good actor. I like everything that I've seen him in so far. So he's at the movie. Uh, he's at the movie. He's at their table, and he's explaining to them um, he's the CIA operative, and she's like, "Oh, I didn't know that they allowed the English into the CIA now." And he's like, "Oh, well, he's I was born in Boston, but I was you know grew up in England." And he starts explaining the situation. There's a, um, a a small dictator in Africa 
rounding up children, using them for army, and he wants to use their team to take this guy down. So it's kind of like that Kofi situation that was a few years ago. Remember that? Oh yeah, in uh, and it's also in um, in what it was uh, East uh, South Sudan, which is yep. uh, which was a, which is a war, which is in, still an active. Was, of course, was still was at that time an, an active war zone. Right. So yeah, the, and also infamous for its uh, child soldiers. Too. So it makes uh, so there's a lot of it's, it pulls at the heartstrings. Yeah. You know, it's based on a real life events, and it tugs at your heartstrings. And so that's when Andy, so Charlize Theron's character, says, "Okay, we'll do it." Um, and he's like, "He's like, whatever your price is, we're going to match it." And she's like, "We'll, you know, we'll bill you." So she they take off. They get there to the Sudan. It could have been the same area. Yeah, it's also down. And um, there's a small camp, and they sneak in, and they're taking out the soldiers, and then they go down into a bunker. This is supposedly where, the, according to the information they've been given, this is where the children are being held. And you can tell that this is where they this is there this is where they were being held because there's there's a pile of child of children's shoes, which is just really kind of disturbing. Right. Well, so they go into the basement, and it's dark. There's yep. nothing going on down here. Where's the children? It's just like a empty room. Yes. Guess what? Set up. Absolutely. And um, so they they are gunned down. So th- we talked about the beginning. The, this is the reason why we talked about the beginning of the movie because the beginning of the movie is this scene right now, yes. where they're gunned down. There's about six men, maybe even more. They empty a clip into them each, into oh, yeah, all four of them. Is- there's the, the, standard, standard standard assassination by more, overkill. Yeah, they're more made out of lead than they are of bone and skin. But I just I do want to I do want to I do want to flip back to one thing that's that made this immediately had my attention. You know, when you're talking about small details making a huge a huge difference. Yes. There are both Joe, Nikki, both Joe and Nikki have traditional like crusader style. Joe actually Nikki has a has a long as a long sword a crusader long sword and joe has another sword i couldn't identify it immediately and andy has a has a a short axe yes. you know and you know but a very stylized very unique very unique weapon and it's funny that that some that these people who are modern mercenaries are carrying like these archaic weapons because the last person who was who was documented carrying a, a long sword into battle was one of was a Scottish soldier who landed on the beaches in D-Day, and that was the last time anybody actually came you know went into a war zone with with a freaking longsword that's been documented. So it's a nice, so it's an interesting touch, and kind of throws everything off a little bit. All right, yes, yeah, so no, no, it, it is, and they use those weapons too in this uh, absolutely, and, and when they were taking down the the soldiers, because what happens is after they get full full of lead, they have they they have their own Wolverine moments where. They are literally um, start self healing, well, and the, the bullets are are being pushed out of their out of them. There's a great scene where he literally coughs up the bullet. <laughs> he coughs up a bullet, you know, that had been that had gone into him. Um, I think I can't remember who it was. I think it was either Nikki or Joe, but it's just it was just it's amazing, and it's and it's interesting that we are reviewing this after just talking about the Wolverine, because there's that healing factor kicking kicking in there. But and I guess that's part of the so the, this is kind of like you you're learning the rules as the movie goes on. So their body their body expunges the the bad parts, which are the bullets. Yep. And they heal the wounds. Um. So all the empty bullets, you know, start piling on the floor, and the soldiers that killed them are still just like standing around and like laughing. And I don't know if that's proper, you know, standard operating procedure where you just butcher four people and then you just stand behind. You you don't look at them. You stand behind them and you tell jokes and you laugh. You watch them bleed. You're watching them bleed out. You mean, it's like, there's no, like they've, I'm just making a point. I know it's, but it's, it's just uh, it's, it's funny because uh, you know, it's like, you know, but here's the thing you, it's a setup. They knew something was up with these soldiers, the guy, you know, the the guy who sent them to Africa. Yeah, but you don't tell the help that. No, but Copley. Right, Copley's not going to tell the help Copley hired them because he was trying to figure out, this is what you learned. Right. He was trying to figure out how do they work. Right. So, well, you're not going to tell the soldiers? Yeah, they're expendable. They, because what he wanted was he got what he wanted was the video evidence because one no, but, of the things okay. that they showed. I'm of the just trying to show, show you that it's a plot hole here because 
the he goes to tell the guy who hires him that I didn't get the soldiers, and he says, "Well, why are you telling me all this? Because why did we spend all this money?" And because I like, got the video I, proof. I got yeah, but he's like, "Doesn't do me any good. I don't have anything tangible that I can use it as an asset." So I'm like, "Yeah, wouldn't you tell?" This is my nitpicky part of it, because I'm sitting there like, "Why? Why don't they? Why didn't they tell him that?" All right. Anyway, so the soldiers become alive again. Charlize Theron and the other three soldiers, they stand up, and these awesome soldiers don't real don't reload their gun, yeah, because they don't think they're going to encounter any other problems. <gasps> oh my God, the the they're alive. Let's get this, the casings in and start reloading. And, of course, they're too slow to reload. Yeah, they can't get the mags in fast enough. The so next they, thing you they, know, there's a, the there's... soldiers get their, their weapons out, and they start going to town on these yep. soldiers that are black ops soldiers that are there. And I'm also like, this is a really elaborate uh, you know, plan of like a camp. It was like a camp. Right. Like, they had bungalows and watchtowers and a fence. And they invested a lot of money. Just to get them to get in. They want to make it look authentic, I guess. Just to could, get them or, in. Or it could legitimately have just been one of the military, you know, like, an old, like, an, like a military yeah, but still, base. They, they had soldiers that they hired and they, they, those soldiers died. See, you, I, you see here's the thing. Um, having, <laughs> this is one of those, this is one of those things where I'm more willing to do some, um, some pip, some plot, some plot work than I probably should be. Um, my my interpretation of anything involving the CIA is that they use actual assets. They don't inform people, and that none of the people who knew what was going on there w- mattered. That this was a disposable site. It was dis- with disposable troops. They weren't professionals. They weren't like the, they weren't the badasses that come after them later in the movie. That these are just lo- these are just you know and what they and yeah, what they, they value more what the what the CIA values more than anything else is intelligence because what they because think about it if you told a bunch of people a bunch of normal people hey i need you to go out and shoot up a bunch of, of, of people who okay, could but, literally right, come let me, back let me, let me, hey, hold on could, let, let me, i want to retort no let me see let me finish i want i'm going to hire you to kill people who are going to be able to regenerate and and you may not be able to and and not and, and not have the rest of the information about like their biology what their weaknesses are and everything else you're going to stage an event to get a certain data set and then you're going to keep ratcheting up until you figure out what they what you need to do in order before you can capture them. Right. The idea was this was the proof of concept. Right. Now step. let me. Now here's where I'm going to stab that whole explanation that you just gave. So when they were sitting in that marketplace and he was offering her to go to Africa to do this job that she thought was legitimate, they could have had a sniper shoot her in the head at that point and kill her, and she would come back to life. But what good would that be? That, That's because you're doing it in public. It, it's, you're not doing it in public. You're not. It's not a control. First of all, it's not a control right, environment. Stop, stop! 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 trying to explain it because you're not doing a good job. No, I am doing a great job. No, you just don't. You just don't want to hear it. That's fine. I know because we only have so much time. I know, and I don't want to spend like twenty okay. minutes discussing this because you're trying to rationalize it, and I'm trying to show you. I'm stop just, rationalizing it. I'm not. I'm it's not a plot rationalizing. Hole. I'm not right. rationalizing it. I just have a different view. Of, I just have a different opinion. That's all. Moving on. So. They get out of there. They it's a it's a, a setup. They get on. They have no way of getting back because you know they have to be undercover. They can't. Yeah, they be were out dropped the off open. by a helicopter, and now they're now their right. rights are gone. So they're on the train, and they're going back to wherever they're going to go back to civilization. Yes. Now we switch to a different character. So the next character that we meet is Nile is Nile Freeman. Nile Freeman, who is a woman. Yes, indeed. Nile Freeman is a marine. She's fighting in Afghanistan. She's with her squad, and they're looking for a bomber. And they're going house to house trying to find this person. They meet a group of women, and the um, Afghani women, and she says to them, um, look, we don't want to cause any problems. We're just looking for a man. And the woman's like, well, we would never say uh, a man would never use women like a shield. That is an unmanly and blah, blah, blah. Dishonorable and, and, and Dishonorable. And then she kind of goes like with the eyes, she points behind her to a door. The woman who's saying this. Yes. And she's like, thank you very much. Uh, thank you for your time. And of course, they're like, sneaky, sneaky. The Marines go through the door, all you know, stealth-like, and they find the guy. And he gets shot in the scuffle, but they were trying to save him. So Nile, Nile is it Niles or Nile? Nile, Nile. Like, the, like the river. River, right. Nile is trying to save this man who, who's trying who was trying to kill them before so she's um kind of like trying to stop the bleeding of the bullet holes that are in his body 
So she's close enough that he pulls a knife, and what happens? Stabs her right in the throat. Opens right, her. Uh, his, op- yeah. Open opens up a jugular. Should be an instant kill. Right, instant kill. So she and waited. She I had thought. a squad mate there, and yeah, a carotid artery there. Yeah. And uh, squad mates trying to stop the bleed. Her bleeding. It's like they don't care about that guy now. He's like, forget it. He's lost. And um, he, she, they're trying to stop her. And the next thing you know, she wakes up in the uh, the medic in the camp. And she's like, whoa. She doesn't know what happened. But her, she, you can see where the scar was from her neck is, is totally healed up. Now, at the same time, we go back to the quartet that are on a train, kind of like hobo style, you know, riding in a, yep. a boxcar. And uh, I'm not making fun. I'm just explaining it for people. So they're in a boxcar. Uh, they, they all have this kind of flash, mental flash, about um, this person who has got her throat cut. And now she's healing. Each person gets a little piece of the puzzle. And they, between the four of them, they can put it together. She's a Marine. She's in Afghanistan. Um, she, they got her name. They have a, they have a name. The, uh, I think it's Nikki who did the picture. Yep. Um, he draws a picture, a pencil and a picture of her. So Charlize Theron says, I'm going to leave and find her because she's the new part. She kind of explains that. Every once in a while, a new immortal will emerge, and this is how I guess they find each other. Right, and and the other thing is that this has been this is not something that has happened in a very very long time. Right, that was the other thing they established. So she goes after her. Um, she, of course, when she finds Nile, she's disbelieving. Like you know, you're crazy. I'm not immortal. It's just something weird has happened. She she's like you know this happens everybody feels the same way Nick you know Andy's like this yeah to her so so what so what happens is that when she wakes up of course her friends have questions and she doesn't have answers she has this you know she has this deep she's got this discombobulated memory in her head too because as she you know because um, she's trying to you know because she she's like she just bled out you know she should be dead right and they have questions she doesn't have answers um, she's in of course her coming back from the dead, you know, to, without, without literally so much as a scratch on her, you know, has of course attracted attention from the, from the, from these outside world, people who are, who would be very interested in this power and being able to harness it. And she's on base and is a, you know, and is, you know, is being told that she needs to, you know, that she's being sent back to Germany and these people, these two off, these two military military guys come up and is you know and they're like and she realizes at the last minute they're not there with good intent and that's when she that's when andy shows up and saves her right and so andy saves her they uh steal a jeep they get out of there she andy um gets a plane ride back to france because that's where they're all going to this town outside of france and there's fun in this uh, little humor, little hijinks, but hijinks but it, but it, on the plane. The, the the whole the whole point of the of the jeep ride and and uh, and the fight and the fight in you know and the and the and the conversation in the plane the the, the back and forth verbally and physically is that you know is to try to get now to understand her pla- her new place in the world right. that she's now part of this you know she's now part of this these these immortals that she's you know that that. Um, and she explains, you know, Andy starts explaining the, the, the thing, which is the rest of the, you know, the, you're now you have to be, we're your family now. We're the, because we take care of each other because the world wants, the world wants us for something and it's never good. This is not how things go. And you need to be, and you need, so you, whether you like it or not, you're kind of stuck with us. Right. So between the hijinks, they gain, she gains trust with Andy. They get back to France. Um, so once they get to France, Niall is like, okay, I've met the other four people, and it gets established now that um, the Nikki and Joe are a couple, yeah. and they they explain how they met, and they were during the Crusades, which is really mentioned. sweet. Yes, yeah. they they were during the Crusades. They fought on opposite sides, killed each know, other, one, killed each other several, several times, times, and then one they was realized. Muslim, one, so in case you know people are not familiar, the Crusades are Muslim versus Christianity for the they, control of Jerusalem. Yep. And um, so, but they fought each other and they killed each other, but then they realized they, they actually loved each right. other, and which is, you know, uh, it's almost think of the time 
yeah. of that. It's just like to have that kind of relationship. So you have like the ulti- you, it would actually be the pretty much the ultimate taboo. Yeah. Across the board for you okay. know. yeah, Christian loving and Muslim, and you're also both men. Yes. So like you know you're, you're basically making you're hit casting every, yourself out. You've hit you've hit every <laughs> you've hit the denounce button so many times that it's broken. Because you, because the but, church has denounced you, society has denounced you, your your friends and family and everybody who you love is guys denouncing right. you. But they, and I think what Rucka is trying to say here is like love love conquers all. Yes. Uh, in this case, you know that there are artificial barriers that we create against each other to try to separate each, each other, and these guys see what the true thing is and being loved. Actually, and and it, 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 it's and you aren't you are totally right on this. Because there, later on, there's a scene that uh, when when we reach it, I, I I'm really I'm was really big on because I thought it was one of the best scenes I've seen in a movie. Explaining Are you talking about when, when they're in the truck? Yeah, in, okay. the, in the truck. We'll save that for a second, though. In, in, in a moment. Okay. So that is established. Um, we know that she, we find out that uh, Charlize Theron, Andy's character, uh, or who Andy, I should say, she's the oldest. Yes. And nobody knows exactly how old she is. Exactly. And then we find out that Booker is. Um, He's an older character too, but he he fought during the Napoleonic Wars. Yes. Um, so I guess I mean maybe he's like the. He's youngest. actually the youngest of the of the be, of in, the old of group. the of the old yeah. guard. Um, he came on. He was the in fact he was the last he was the last one identified, and there's been a and there's been a gap of about two hundred years before Nile before Nile came online. Now there's there's something that happens where uh, Nile goes to sleep. She wakes up. She has a nightmare. She sees visions, but these are visions of the past. And then there's more truth that comes out with this. Right. So the the truth is um, that they're not necessarily truly immortal. That people their meta- metabolism breaks down and they start to die. So for example, you get shot. We mentioned the bullet gets shot out and the the scar heals. Yeah. But sometimes you'll get shot and it won't heal. At some point. You, it's and it's not it's not an it's not a determined number. At some point, what will happen is that your healing factor will fail, and it can be it can be from a very short period of time, as sort of hinted at one of the one of the characters who was there for you know that they, that died that they showed dying, um, the, the 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 black guy in the desert so, that they never exactly. Really identified. So so there was an, another person who they didn't meet. You found out that he just died, and. He was saying, like, sometimes it's just your time. Yeah. Like, you know, even though I'm immortal, there's going to be an expiration date, and this is my time right now. Yeah, I've, I've taken, you know, and then they were, and then there's people who, like Andy, who have fought, thought, you know, fought in thousands of battles and, and always walked away. So what I'm going to say is they're not immortal. They're nigh immortal. They're almost immortal. They're, they're not gods. They're demigods. Yeah, something, something of that nature. Uh, so this is um, what you learned about the world-building uh, that 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 some of them mortal. Um, it is hard to kill them. Uh, another story is there was another woman that Andy hung out with, and it was during the um, Salem witch trial. Well, or, actually, it was during the actually during the Inquisition where they were burning witches. And oh they, yeah, and they they they. they they put her in an Iron Maiden and dropped her into the ocean. Well, yeah. So it was funny. They, when they were sitting in the dungeon waiting for their fates because they found out that these people never die. And so we're going to, they think they're witches, of course. Right. So they have them in the dungeon and they were hanging out with each other way before this happened. Um, and I forget who the, the, the other woman is like an Asian woman. And I forget what, um, like what time period she came from. Yeah. Um, but you can tell she was not a, not as old as Andy, but she was probably the second oldest yeah. of, of the immortals. And they were hanging together, and she says to him, I wonder what it's going to be like to be burned. And that, and I'm also saying to myself, like, I wonder if burning them could expire them. And Andy's response is, it just sucks. It sucks. And so what they find out is they put her in an Iron Maiden, as you mentioned, and they take her to an undisclosed location, and they dump her body. Into the ocean. Into the ocean. And she's in the Iron Maiden, and she's constantly drowning and reviving, reviving and drowning. And re- that's that's where it ends. And the thing is that the story is that she's been doing this. Is, this has been happening for about two hundred years. Mm-hmm. And what they feel, and what they feel, and this is this you want you you want to know. This is this is the plot point that that bothers me the most in the entire story. Which which is how did because they're all connected to each other. They all share these same dreams. How did they stop having her? in their dreams because theoretically her, you know, because they're all tied together and every time that something happens to one, they feel it. 
well, she's been doing this for 200 years. Is it just that, that after a certain number of times, they just like were able to just like say, oh, I'm going to reprogram my brain and forget her? It doesn't seem that's the that's the plot hole for me. That's like the most egregious because because you've established the you've established their kinetic, their you know, sort of like telekinetic link or whatever. How well, you yeah, want but, to but they don't establish how they how it happens. It seems that when something shocking happens, that's when it triggers the link. And so, so she so it's was a trauma new, trigger. Yeah. So okay. she was. That's how I explain. OK, it. that makes that, that it, it, it makes sense. They yeah. don't really explain it, but you can kind of put your own logic to it if you want. Um. Now, the other thing I'm, I'm going to compare this to very sure. quickly because, you know, we have like a 15 minutes that we want to try to get through the rest of the movie. Um, there's a movie called Highlander. You're, yes, and a TV and, show. And, yeah, but then it was based on the movie first. And it's a movie series. But I'm talking about the original Highlander right. movie. because There that's can only all be that, one. Uh, yeah. And the whole premise of that movie is there are immortal people that walk the earth. And these people are truly immortal. They live forever. And um, the only way that they can stop living is if you sever their head. They're still flesh and blood, and if you cut their head from their body, they lose their power. And in fact, what you find out is the power transfers to the person who defeats them. Right, and and then as the more less and less high, well, the immortals, they I'm not going to call them Highlanders. I guess maybe they do call them Highlanders yeah, the, in the movie. The less and less Highlanders there are, the more and more powerful the other people become. So the less remaining are more powerful, and then there be eventually the movie is there's two. And then the two fight for the ultimate rule of the universe. Supremacy, yes. And um, and then the McCloud, who's the uh, hero of the movie, he defeats the the bad guy. I can't remember the bad guy's name now. And um, he defeats him, and he's like, "I am everything." And that's how the movie ends. He's like turning into the cosmos or something like that. Now I bring that up is because it's one movie. They didn't think there was going to be sequels for it, right? So they established the rules of the immortality. There's a group of people, they're immortal, they fight, the only way they can die is if they cut their heads off, but you can do anything else to their bodies and they'll survive it, but if you cut their heads off, they lose, and then the other immortal who does that gets their power and then they become even more powerful. So stock maybe, up and stock, get stock in guillotines, guys. Right. So the reason I bring this up is it establishes immortals, it establishes the rules for immortals, and it establishes uh, you know how they can die. That's and it's all done like that because they only thought they were going to make that one movie. The guy wrote the screenplay didn't think oh sequels galore are going to happen. Yeah. So this movie, we already said it establishes that it's hard to kill them. Um, it establishes that you know maybe fire can destroy them. Who knows if their body is destroyed? Are they truly destroyed? Like let's say you do burn them and you're just a skeleton. Will the flesh come back and grow around? Because it's hard to burn bone. Yeah. You know. It's hard to get it. It's hard to get the heat high right. enough, you know, without putting them in the incinerator. If I cut your head off, will you? So we, they don't establish like the rules of like what's the severity at which you can take damage before you're not going to take damage anymore. But they do establish the rule of you're not truly immortal. You're you're going to live for a certain time, and then there's a point in time that you can't heal Where anymore, your healing and you're going to start dying, fail. and you become mortal. Yeah. Okay. And I'm fine with these rules because again i think they're going to try to make a sequel and maybe the comic book is you know establishes right. this and they keep on adding to the lore as time goes on and and i and I, and I also like i said i sort of have an affinity for this because these this is also the wolverine rule which is eventually that wolverine wolverine's healing factor has it, it breaks down over you right. know so but he, wolverine also has an unbreakable skeleton body right but that's a little i'm not i'm just talking about the I'm just talking about his his healing factor and his yeah own, yeah. And well, his like, what's the extent? But that, that that's what they're trying to establish here. So I'm I'm, I'm fine. That's the the world building. Mm -hmm. Okay. Then all of a sudden at the church, they're somehow soldiers come and attack them. Well, because Copley's still Shh. looking for them. Ah, you're gonna spoil everything. Oh, sorry. All right. Well, John just let the cat out of the bag. Copley is kind of um. Copley is the person who betrays the entirety of the group. And I was thinking about, this leads me to another comparison of movies. Sure. I was thinking about movies where one person of a group um, betrays the rest of the group for their own personal gain. And what you find out about Booker is, you know, he had a family. Oh, we didn't even, I didn't mention Booker. I mentioned Copley, who, the CIA guy oh. who has the, oh, sending, you, the, who's sending the, no, I said Copley. Oh. Well, you know, let's, let's let the cat out of the bag anyway, because okay. we only have 10 minutes left. And, uh, sure. So we, eventually you find out that, that, um, 
Booker is the betrayer of the, the team. Right. He's the, and um, it, it, what what I was gonna say. So he betrays the entirety of the team, but he gives a bunch of hints. He's heavy drinker. He talks to Niall about how he had a family and he had to watch his son die, and one of the sons died of cancer. Right, which was also Copley. His his wife died. Had of cancer. died of cancer. Yeah, Copley is not immortal. He's just the part bad just, guy. Yeah, he's just the CIA guy. Yeah, and um, so you, you you can see the betrayal happening. Like you know, there's so many little clues that lead up to it, and like I I knew the betrayal the betrayal was going to happen before it happened. Yeah, because it, there's a scene with the movie where Charlize Theron and Booker go after Copley. And Booker is loading the guns, and he gives Charlize Theron a gun, and he has a gun. And then Niall didn't, does not want to go, and she's like, I want to try to go back to my family and live a normal life. She says, I'm not going to stop you. Go ahead. So she goes to a train station. She has a weapon just in case she does get attacked. She, when she gets to the train station, she puts the weapon in the trunk of the car, and she looks, and there's no bullets in the gun. Yes. And Copley, uh, not Copley, Booker. Had given her the, the weapon, yes. Right. So that's, that's established. So... Booker betrays the entirety of the group. Now, I was thinking about, again, movies that where a person betray, ultimately betrays. Yes. The one movie I kept on coming back to was The Matrix, the original Matrix movie. Yes. Um, Joey Pinaloni, who plays a character called Cypher, I think he's called. Yes. And he's always complained. Like, he lives in the, in the what's the quote-unquote real world, which is that kind of, like, burnt-out husk of a world right. where they ride in the sub and they attack the robot spider monkeys and <laughs> whatever. Yeah, and, the squids. Um, the squids. And um, he's always complaining about, I you know, why did I ever get out? He even says that to um, Keanu Reeves. Yeah. And why did you ever leave? Don't you ask yourself that? Like, why did you ever leave yeah. to come to the, all this luxury? You know, being sarcastic. So you can see, like, he's setting up. He's going to be the Judas of the, the movie. And he ultimately does betray them because he wants to be put back. And even though he knows... He says, I know that this is not a state. I was going to say, there's a great, the great scene where he's, he meets with Agent Smith and he says, yeah. look, I understand that this isn't real, but I don't care. Yeah, I don't care. And Booker's, I, This is much better than the reality. And Booker's motivation, and this is part of the reason why I like the why I liked this, this movie so much, was Booker's feeling wasn't that he was, you know, he's like, look, we've been on the run. You're, you've told, Andy, you've been telling me this for a, you know, for a long time that you're sick of this. You're just, you're done. And if we're an immortal... And there's a way, you know, and they'll figure out a way to get it out of us. And in doing so, we can die. And it was, you know, and there's that that sense of like, and of course, it's the the problem is, do you um, want the do you want that? Is that something that you wanted? Well, obviously not. So, that wasn't that. Obviously, Nikki and Joe weren't down for that. Right. Of course, nobody else. Everybody else wanted to li live their life the way that they were living it. But here's the thing: he doesn't know when he's going to die. He just wants to die. He wants it to end. Yeah. But he doesn't know, and so he's going to spend. This is how what happens is there's a the main bad guy of this movie is this, this corporation called um, Merrill Merrick Merrick Merrick. I'm sorry, and Merrick. Merrick is the is is the you know he's the you know he's the evil Elon Musk you know Bill Gates you know you know big yeah. pharma yeah. bad guy yeah. So and he captures all four of them and he puts them in a safe and he has them strapped down and they're going to live their life being strapped down and being experimented on. And this is what Booker signed up for. He thought that this was a better alternative than living the life that they were living. I'm like, that doesn't make any sense. But anyway, that's what yeah. he decides. And of course, Niall, because she didn't go with them, she's the only free one. So she battles through the building. She gets them out. And here's the funny thing is, now they have to battle to get out of the the get out of the building, and Booker decides to battle and get out of the. He just changes his mind all of a sudden. Yeah, like, because he because he real because the thing that had changed was that Andy was no longer an immortal, and once he realized that because he because there's a, but that, he realized that, that before he got captured. Well, the, well, the thing no because the whole thing was that he no he didn't because yes, she, he didn't get she got shot. No, no, I know, but hold on, let me let me let me explain the situation. So she gets shot in in the battle with it where they grab Nikki and they, where they grab Nikki and Joe. Um, and she, she hides the fact that she's not healing from, from the group. She goes and she goes into a local pharmacy, gets patched up by the woman no, no, there. No. I know. We, hold on. And well, then, and then what happens is. When they're in is, Copley's house, she gets right, shot but that, again. I, but that's what all happened before he got to copy. I was getting there. So what happens. I'm trying it, to save time. I know. So, but, but in, so when she, so the ultimate, but the betrayal happens when they get to Copley and, and he shoots Andy thinking, oh yeah, this, she's going to be fine. And all of a sudden he realized she's bleeding out. She's not healing. What the fuck? 
and that's and that that's the moment where everything goes south because for him the betrayal was the, the betrayal was that but the point i'm saying is all of a sudden he wants to fight now to get out of there yeah. he doesn't he, he changed his mind like he went through those process of getting there but now he changes his mind okay whatever so now they fight to get out of there. Uh, they fight through the building. They go up to the top of the Enterprise, uh, where he has where uh, Steve Merrick has, who's the weasel, um, corporate weasel, has his own penthouse. They fight through them, and then um, what happens is Merrick has uh, a gun and he's going to shoot Andy. She can't be shot anymore because we find out she's losing her immortality. Lee. Not Lee, Nile. Nile. Nile steps in the way of the bullet because she's relatively new, and they fall out of the top of this building. Now this is a tall building, right? Like, like Sears Tower tall, like you know, the, big, the, the, big big Empire farm. State Building, you know, it's yeah. big 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 farm, and they fall and they crash into a car. Now of course Steve Merrick is dead because he's a man, right. and he and he had an axe in his neck too, to, which to boot, so that wasn't going to help him. And then uh, Niall, she's like all disjointed and smashed, but her body heals together. And all, and then all, in a few seconds, the the group comes out of the door. They took the elevator down, I guess, the super yeah. fast elevator. And they come out the door, and there's nobody. Right. There's nobody where the car crashed. The car was in the right. There was one car on the street. The car was in the space where she, where Steve Merrick smashes, and. You know they couldn't hit the they couldn't hit the side they were it hit the car right. like and again how how hard is it to navigate your body down a hundred flights to specifically hit one car nobody was there to witness nobody yep. all of a sudden they get in a car they drive away and then a whole flock of people come to see Steve Merrick dead right where were these people they were just like hiding out they were hiding out because there was a firefight going on okay so that, I thought that was stupid then the movie ends all right. The credits, and then there's a mid scene credit. There is. Oh, and then I forgot to, to tell you, Booker gets voted out. They said we're going to meet yeah, you in hundred like, years. That's his punishment. Yeah, we're, you know, and he's like, well, I would have wished, I would have wished for for a shorter period of time, but you know, but I'm, you know, but I, and I deserved longer, but you know, I'll live with this. Right. So, and then so there's a mid scene credit, and what happens in the mid scene, John? In the mid scene credit. Um, Quan, who is uh, who is who is the uh, the person that uh, Andy was, was in the Iron Maiden was yeah the woman in the Iron Maiden, um, and Quan um, Quan has is um, has has freed herself of the Iron Maiden and is there in his in his uh, dilapidated apartment, going hi I've been waiting to meet you and she knows who he is, even though she's never met him dun 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 and that's where the movie ends okay. Uh, we only have a few minutes here left sure. to t- talk. Okay, how do you feel about the movie after talking about it? Um, I'm still, like I said, I'm still, uh, I was still uh, incredibly, um, I, I, I liked it, I like it, and I was entertained by it. Um, there's things about the, the nature of the different relationships um, that I really appreciated. In fact, there's one of the... Uh, there's a great moment, you know, where um, Joe and uh, Nikki have a conversation where this this thug is beating up on Nikki, you know, and he's like, and the, and the guy flips back, you know, flips, you know, he's like, you got to stop doing that, you know, Joe's losing his shit, and tells this guy, you know, like, look, you don't understand what who I am and what I am, you know, and he's like, oh, what's that, your, you know, but who's that, your boyfriend, and he gives this speech, which is just balls, just the best, one of the best speeches I've heard about. What, it, what what another person what what that person means to you and it comes from that place where you know it's like i've had lifetimes with this person and i still love them and i thought that that was some of the most effective like emotional writing i've had i've been i, I could just inject that right in my veins i loved every second of that and i think part of the reason why i feel so strongly about the movie is and and, and also part of the reason why i recommend it so highly is for those moments because there's a couple moments where they're talking about the, the the burden of immortality and we've been here before um if you've watched the terrible uh interview with a vampire um or the vampire Lestat you know where you you know where the, the you, well, know, you some, read the vampire Lestat. if you read the vampire Lestat there's a whole thing about or if you any of the Anne Rice and the any of the Anne Rice stories um, yeah, there's and plenty I was like, of litter literature and uh, book and media about people being immortal and the and so it, and it's and 
that part of it I appreciated. And there's another part of me that kind of like, kind of, you know, you were talking about like, what, what did you feel attached? You know, what, you know, what sort of media did you see? You know, you, you mentioned Highlander. Um, I thought the idea of the team and the relationships with people, um, did you ever see vampires, John Carpenter's vampires? Yes. I kind of felt, you know, did you ever read the book by Stakely? No, but you mentioned it before. Um, I kind of felt like that was, I actually kind of thought Yeah, that, but those are those mortals attacking vampires. Right, but in terms of the nature of a team and how it works and the, and the, and, you know, the, the, part, the, um, the dynamics between groups of people and for, with, you know, with, with commonalities and, and vast differences, I thought that was, there, there was, there's that, there's nuances in their relationships that I really appreciated. So I still really enjoyed it. I, and I'm going to ask you, how do you feel now that you've had 48 hours to sleep on it? The, uh, yeah, about 48 hours. Uh, I, I, I thought it was okay. I, I, I started the conversation with it's okay. I still feel it's okay. There's a lot of plot holes that I try to uh, illustrate for mm-hmm. you um, about the movie. Uh, if I were going to grade it, it would be like a C movie, an average movie. Um, there's nothing truly special other than you find out that they're not necessarily immortal, which I think is a unique brand to it. So um, instead of saying like Highlander where you're immortal until you get your head cut off, you know, they're saying you're immortal until you're not. Because they don't explain it, that's why I'm giving a little extra points because I like that that leads to a sequel and maybe you'll explain it more. But motivation for people, like like we explained, Booker, uh, I don't want to live anymore, but now... When I saw that I don't, I'm gonna be in a, a, a safe for the rest of my life. All right, now I want to live, uh, but now I betrayed the group, so now I'm voted out, and now I met a woman, who, and this is my other plot point too. Andy, who is the longest living of them all, right? Probably rich beyond, because she does these jobs. She, she, you can see she had like a art. She had a, a there was a scene where they're in a cave, they're hiding out. And she has like paintings by Rodin. I mean, statues by Rodin and paintings. She could sell those for millions of dollars, right? She probably has millions of dollars in bank accounts, offshore bank accounts, and the, the, because of all the jobs that she's done and the, the, the plundering and the armies. Why didn't she go and try to look for that woman who she seemed to have a special relationship right. with? Quan. No, and 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 I mentioned, and I did mention this. That this was the mo- this was the part that bothered me the most. That this was that question was the one that got me. The one thing that we didn't mention, and I do, and I would be remiss to do it, is Copley's role in this is two is twofold. He's the betrayer, but he's also he's also the he's also the archivist. Um, and what he shows is Andy doesn't. Andy is having this constant existential you know crisis where she's like, I'm not sure whether you know whatever anything that I've done has ever mattered. And what, in what, you know, because it doesn't matter because people keep doing these horrible things and we keep having, and they keep getting worse and worse and worse. So it's the opposite of, uh, was it Steven Pinker who said, you know, things are constantly getting better, mm-hmm. you know, that, you know, the, that the nature, that nature is, you know, is improving, you know, improves on itself and, and builds better societies and better people and better and better living situations. She actually feels the opposite, that this is the dying of the light and she's witnessing it. Her, what's interesting is that Copley has a whole thing where he goes through and he and he shows her at the end what he what she has done all these people that they've saved and uh, ha, that she's done and helped that you know they've done like one of them cured a, one of them created a cure for some disease and the other one saved all these people you know from genocide and she's in in other words every person that she saved has had a knock on effect by thousands so she's done she's been the sort of like secret history of the world where she's interjected herself in and by doing so has made the world such a better place and that is the interesting part of it and it was such a small part of the movie that i really felt like that was sort of i i, I couldn't i can't square that circle and i wish that they had done a better job of it all right so it's an okay movie um Watch it if you want, I guess. I mean, I, this is where I wish we did read the comic because I would like more explanation from the comic than maybe what the movie provides, and maybe I would have had a better understanding of the movie because I could fill in more of the blanks. Yeah, because there would be because right now we're getting the shorthand version of it. If yep. they had, if they had, if we saw the long form version, maybe it would make more, it would have deeper emotional impact. Because I could say, because maybe they explain some of the stuff in future, the future of the comics, and then I could say, okay, I can forgive this shortcoming here because. 
in the sequel, they're going to explain a whole bunch. Yeah. But I don't. I just only know what the movie tells mm-hmm. me, right? Okay. Well, that is our review. Go watch the movie. Make your own opinion. You don't have to necessarily think what we think. John and I have differing opinions of this movie. Very but much. But it's the, still the same movie. It doesn't change the movie. It's just that we see different things through the same uh, viewing. Uh, but thanks for listening to us, putting up with our crap and, and going getting through this podcast. As always, you can listen to all of our podcasts at comicsmisremember.com. At, through there, you can hit, listen. We do a lot of comic book. You know, mostly it's comic book related. This is a tangent. It's a movie based on a comic, so of course we're going to review it. That's why we. That's why Jim ever reminds us every week that we do comic related items. Comic related items, and that was this week. But we do a lot of comic stuff there. So, in fact, there's a search engine in the website. Type in a comic that you like, especially if it's an older comic. Maybe we've already done a review. We've done 270 of these things. Maybe we've already reviewed that thing that you would like us to review. Hey, if you want, you can even make a suggestion. We've got social media up the wazoo. We got Facebook. We have um, uh, Twitter. We have Instagram. Actually, that would be a really wonderful thing. If somebody, if in the next week or so, if the spirit moves you, suggest something for for our topic. A movie, maybe we didn't cover yet. A comic book that you'd like us to cover. Hey, we're up for we're up for it. We'll buy something if we can purchase it. Yeah, absolutely. we'll we'll do a review of it. Um, so that's the rest. That's it for us this week. Thanks again for putting up with us, and we will see you in seven. <laughs>